Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes. Is it risky? Definitely yes. I mean, as you said, I left like an incredible role and fund and country to come here. I tend to think, what is the worst that could happen? I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. My name is Esprit Devora, born and raised LA, and I created We Are LA Tech in 2012 to unify the community. Podcast launched in 2014, continuing to help people find the best talent, to connect with each other, to form awesome relationships. So proud of this show. Enjoy. Welcome back to the We Are LA Tech podcast, spotlighting LA Tech companies and talent. So excited to bring you our next guest who just moved to Marina Del Rey from Australia. Welcome, Christy. Hello. Hello. What a welcome. Thank you. (laughs) I am so excited to have this interview because you are taking so many chances in your life and going through both evolution and transition and exploration It's really exciting and admirable that you have made the choices that you've made in order to explore. Before we get into all that, can you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. You've caught me definitely at a transition point in my life, which is both terrifying and adventurous. So excited to dive in. I am an athlete by background. So I grew up doing trampolining. I was national champion 12 years in a row, top 10 in the world. If you can tell by my accent, I'm Australian. Uh, So I represented Australia for a long time in that sport. And then after I retired from that sport, I still wanted to be an athlete. So I took up both CrossFit and beach volleyball. I went to the CrossFit Games in 2014, which is the equivalent to the World Championships. And then I played 12 years of beach volleyball. I just retired last year. So another transition. And I got to play on the Australian team for seven years on the world tour, which is, you know, I just went to the best beaches in the world and had endless summer, you know, chasing a volleyball around on the sand. And then professionally, I did a decade of management consulting. And then three years ago, switched into venture capital and the world of startups and tech, which I love. I'm never going back to corporate life. And I worked at Blackbird Ventures, which is the largest fund in Australia. They raised a billion dollars last year. And I'm also a partner at Athletic Ventures, which is a syndicate of over 150 professional athletes out of Australia and we're investing in startups at Series A and later uh, and really bringing the power of those athletes to support the portfolio companies both uh, with their brand and marketing and PR but also thinking about the athlete mindset and how we can bring that into startups to help founders with their leadership to help teams build their culture. Let's break it down a little bit. There's a couple layers to the question. How do you go from being a professional athlete to a venture capitalist? And then if we could get more layered into athletics and venture capital and how you support athletes. But yeah, how did you yourself go from one industry to another? Mm, With a great deal of effort. (laughs) I feel like venture capital is one of those like hot industries that people want to work in. It's a very popular role at the moment. 
as I said, I did management consulting first. So it wasn't my first professional job, but it was still a complete career change. And I got to a point as a consultant where I was like, you know what? I'm making PowerPoint slides. I'm doing Excel models and no one's really implementing my advice. These companies are extremely risk averse. This is not the space I want to be in for the rest of my career. And a friend of mine said, you should do startups. I was like, what's a startup? It's this black box of mystery that people read about in the newspaper sometimes, but actually it's a whole nother language in a whole nother world. And I actually went through the Antler Accelerator in Australia and it's almost a pre-accelerator. They recruit 80 people that they think would make great founders and they put you all in a room together, teach you how startups work. You do matchmaking and speed dating on steroids to try and find your co-founder. Then you work on an idea together and at the end of three months, you can pitch for funding. And I spent the whole three months doing that program and I fell in love with startups. Mm. But I also realized I was spending all of my time helping everybody else with their ideas and not working on my own, Uh, which was the wake up call to be like, you should be on the investing side and not on the founding side. Then I was like, well, it's actually pretty hard to get a job in venture. And I approached it like I would a new sport. I went and trained for it. I did a course in venture capital. I went and mentored for three different accelerators. I went and took one-on-one meetings with founders. I met 90 founders in about four or five months. I went and networked with everyone in the VC industry. I wrote my own investment thesis. And off the back of that level of work, that's how I broke into venture. Question I love to ask is what is a huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? Oh, so many. Do you want a sporting or a career example? Career. One tough thing for me was always trying to juggle sport and career. And I've had some incredible managers and bosses over the years, and I've had some less incredible ones. And there came a moment, you know, maybe three or four years into my career when I was consulting. And when I took the job, I had negotiated with my boss to be like, I need additional leave. Like I'm a professional athlete. I'm going to need to take extra time off. And they had agreed to that up front. And then six months later, when I qualified for world championships and I went to take that leave, my boss turned around and said to me, you know what? There's this perception that you don't care about your job as much as you care about your sport. Mm. You know, are you really committed to this team and working hard? And I just felt so betrayed at that moment, right? Because here I had reached the pinnacle of a sport and going to the world championships and it's a huge deal. And he was saying, you're not doing a good job at work and we don't value you here. And I was trying desperately to juggle both. I thought I was doing well at work. And I just felt in some ways almost discriminated against in that if you have kids and they're at home and they're obviously your priority, right, above your job. And I don't have kids, but I have my sport. And that is a priority for me over my job at that point in my career. And that was a pretty tough moment. I ended up staying with the company like another eight or nine months but it was really tough to navigate that relationship with the leader of the team and knowing that he felt that way about my work right and what I valued and how about in sports also stories yeah so sport is quite political in some ways people think it's like you win the race or you get the time and you're in the team And it's so simple, but it's not like that at all. And certain individuals have a lot of power to select who's in the team. 
and, you know, who's going to represent the country. And I remember I had just had a breakout season. I'd won a bunch of events on the Australian national tour. And then I'd started the next season by beating the Olympian. Right. And the very next day, the national coach turned around and said to me, I don't care about your results. You're too old. You're too (gasps) short. You're not left-handed. Stop. And I'm never selecting you. Stop. And that was the national coach. And his say was final. And super rough, right? Yeah. Absolutely devastating. I'm feeling emotionally devastated just (laughs) listening to you. You know, there are ways to still find a way to play for your country, which I did and super proud to have done that. But man, it would have been a lot easier if I had the support of the national coach. Is there a way to overcome that? I mean, of course you could overcome that on your own personally, but I mean, like sports wise, Mm. is that a block? Can you just not move forward because of that? So the world tour operates much like the tennis world tour in that if you have enough ranking points, you can go and enter events on your own, but it's breaking onto the world tour the the first time where you really need your country's support. Yeah. So fortunately, Australia hosted a number of events where we got extra spots for athletes. Yeah. So I was like, oh, cool. I can like sneak into one of the last spots after they filled it up with their preferred athletes. But you know, I was not invited to train with the national team players. I was not funded as part of the Australian Institute of Sport program. So I found my own coach and I paid them cash and I entered my own tournaments wow. and I paid my own travel. And so it made it a much tougher road. Was it worth it? Oh, yeah. And what makes it worth it? Like what you had such a jazz smile and, and like a jubilant sigh. What, what was that? There are very few times in life where you get to experience the feeling that elite sport brings you. Like imagine walking out into a stadium and thousands of people are screaming and across the other side of the net is a team that maybe you've never beaten before, but like this is the day that it's going to happen. Yeah. And you drop into the zone and you play every point with like complete intensity and you get to the end of a tight match and you're standing on the baseline and you're holding the ball and you're thinking, you know, my whole career might come down to this one serve and this one point and this one tournament and then can you make the serve? Yeah, yeah. And where else in life do you get that same pressure and that same intensity and the, the same celebration and jubilance at the end of the match when you win? And that's the best part about sport. I think it's interesting that you took all those chances that I would imagine were extremely difficult and maybe you questioned yourself when you were paying your way to everything. Did you have those moments? I shouldn't assume. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it was very tough. There were times my bank account was very low, but you know, what's the worst that can happen sometimes as well? Yeah. Like I have a great supportive family. If I had to, I'd be like, mom, can I come and sleep on the couch for a couple of months? And she would totally do that. Totally. The reason why I asked, I didn't want to assume, but I figured because human, like that's a human experience. It reminded me of how difficult growing my, I think, you know, I had an action sports media company and how difficult that journey was and really just crushing at times. I risked everything financially, energetically, and I would do it all over again. Like it was so worth it. And so you talking about how you spent your own money, you took these, there was no promise of anything. But I think the more I reflect on life, the more life is just about acquired life experiences. And sometimes it doesn't matter whether 
we quote unquote win or fail or, and those are all just all perceptions anyway, but it's just like collecting life experiences that, and which life experiences would we like to collect? Yeah. And there's a time limit on being an athlete. Mm. You know, you can have a career until you're 70 or 80 or 90 if you were a Buffett, right? Yeah. But you can't be an athlete much beyond 35. Mm. And so that's the time to just go for it and put all of your eggs in that basket and give it everything you have. It's so cool. It's very inspiring. So in the venture capital world, you focus on athletes. Can you walk us through what that looks like? So the syndicate that where I'm a partner is called Athletic Ventures and all of our LPs are current or former professional athletes. Many of them are playing around the world for Australia. We're generalist investors on the other side. Yeah. So the, L, the LP base and the capital base is all coming from athletes, but we're investing in startups across the spectrum. Right. And we're really thinking about what can an athlete bring to a founder? And right. I just love that the mindset is the same for both of those groups. If you think about what it takes to succeed in both mm-hmm. industries, you know, as an athlete, yeah. less than 0.02% of athletes ever make it to a professional mm. level. Like you're more likely to be struck by lightning than make it to the Olympics. Totally. And as a founder, we know that, you know, less than 2% of founders get funding, yep. you know, less than 0.00 something make it to unicorn status. And yet both of these groups of people are willing to be like, I'm going to dedicate 10 or 20 years totally. of my life to achieving this goal with impossibly long odds. And that is a very unique mindset. Yeah. And so I love the parallels between athletes and founders. And then we're thinking about how can we more practically help. So athletes have brands and profiles. And if you're a consumer-focused startup, right. you're paying for marketing. Well, athletes can help you mitigate that marketing cost and use their brand instead. We might come in and we'll run like a team building and a culture day for a team and Think about what can you learn from elite sport and bring to your startup. We're starting to think about, you know, if we have athletes join a sales call, a recruiting call, and really show that they're in the founder's corner, can that turn the tide Mm. on some of those critical conversations to help a startup grow? Is it kind of like Jessica Alba is to Honest, it's co-founding, as well as utilizing her celebrity to help the brand grow? Or Wheaties back in the day, except instead of Wheaties being a cereal box, Wheaties is a startup. Yeah, we're not co-founding. You know, we are backing the founders with capital and with the profiles of the athletes and with our mindset. So the athletes don't become co-founders. They're not co-founders. Okay. They're investors. Investors. Mm. Interesting. Inter- and can you share one of the portfolio companies that has a great story? So we've made 11 investments or invested into 11 companies over the last two and a half years. We're about to do our 12th, which I'm very excited about. One of the great stories that we've seen is a company called Guzman and Gomez, which is Mexican food. I know Americans love their (laughs) Mexican food. It's not that common in Australia, right? And they have an incredible number of stores around the country. It's healthy, fast food. And you saw these athletes that even though they might be sponsored by a less healthy fast food brand through their team, actually in the locker room after their game, they were eating Guzman and Gomez food. And so we jumped on the chance to invest in that company. The founder has built this incredible culture. 
They've been so innovative in terms of increasing the efficiency of the ops and the back end of that company. Like it's a good business, but we love the brand and we love the food as well. And you have these athletes like organically promoting this company and so proud to be a small owner in that company as well. Someone who wants to get into venture capital like you did, what are some of the resources that you recommend they check out to start to immerse themselves into the VC world? I'll start with one. Hustlefund.vc has phenomenal education on angel investing. Mm. I have seen people break into venture in many different ways, and you should choose the path that works for you. The very classic way is you do management consulting or investment banking, then you go get your MBA. You get a two-year intern with a VC fund and you're on your way. I did not exactly do that. I've seen people become a thought leader in a space. There's an incredible woman in Australia called Emily Casey and she had a background in medical, nothing to do with tech. And every week she would write what's happening in health tech and she became known as the expert in health tech in Australia and landed a role in a VC fund off the back of that. So that's a completely alternative way in. I have seen people build out a network of, you know, high-profile high people like we've done with Athletic Ventures. You know, Matt, who started Athletic Ventures, had no background in venture capital, but he pulled the network together and that is the way to, you know, build funding and grow capital in a group. So there are many, many different ways in and you want to identify the one that's a match for your interests and skill sets and talents. In terms of resources, there are so many good podcasts and books and blogs out there. I mean, there's 20 Minute VC, which I love by Harry Stebbings. They're really good. Um, More of, who else do I like? Can I look at Yeah, look at your phone. Okay. I like Scaling Up, which is by TDM for more the growth stage. I'm a big fan of Lenny's podcast and Lenny's newsletter for anyone like more on the product side, but like you have to think about once you work in VC, what is your value add to founders? Because your value add is both how you attract deal flow and then how you help your companies after you invest. So my value add is athlete mindset. You know, I work a lot with founders on how do you take the thinking from elite sport and become a high-performing person yourself? How do you take the thinking from elite sport and build the culture of your team and raise your standards? Like that is my value add, but everyone will have something different. And a lot of people specialize in a particular industry or vertical as their value add. And Lenny, isn't that primarily product? uh, It's product and growth. Yeah. Yeah, Um, which is almost all of the questions that early stage founders have. (laughs) What Lenny has done overall, if you don't know Lenny's newsletter, like I'm just impressed by Lenny period. (laughs) Yes. It's amazing. Like Venture Unlocked, the Consumer VC, uh, Turpentine VC is a new podcast. Nice. Just launched if you want to like hold up the press recommendation. And then I think some of the books, like the ones pretty well known in the industry would be like, Uh, Venture Deals, The Business of Venture Capital, The Hard Thing About Hard Things, Mm -hmm. such a good book. Uh, Yeah. I mean, you are, this is an industry where you are constantly learning and constantly reading. Mm -hmm. You know, we've all had to become AI experts in the last few months, for instance. So, yeah, I think it's, if you like that, you're going to do well in this industry. So you just moved here 
what's the LA game plan and how has it been to immerse yourself in the LA tech community? I love LA and I spent many summers out here training and playing with the best players in the world. This is the birthplace of the sport. And as an Australian, I got to play the Australian summer. And then in the Australian winter, I would come to California and play the summer season out here. So I got to double up. So I knew I loved LA. And now that I work in venture, you know, the US is really where it's at for that market. And LA is known for their consumer investing, for lifestyle and health focus, and especially for the diversity of founders here. So this is the city I want to be in for sure. And I've been here for a few months and trying to make the move permanently. And how have you immersed yourself into the LA tech culture? Has it been easy or challenging? I know one of the things about LA, which I'm sure you're familiar with because you've been here before, is it's like a bunch of little countries in one city. It's really hard to get from location to location. Yeah. It honestly terrified me to drive on the wrong or the right side of the road uh, <laughs> when I first got here. But if you don't drive, you are not getting to anything in LA. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. My first experience in the LA tech scene was LA Tech Week, mm, which what a great experience. was incredible. Yeah. It was so awesome. And I met so – the speakers in that event yeah. were – you know, I actually went to the SF Tech Week the week yeah. before, and then I came to the LA one. So yeah. I did them back to back. I'm so curious. You're going to have to tell us the differences yeah. between the two. Now I wish you went to New York Tech Week, which is happening right now, so I can yes. know the comparison of all <laughs> well, three. I did go to New York as well. So <laughs> I just found SF to be very transactional in mm. some ways. Who are you? What's your position? Are you more senior than me or less? What can we do for each other? Give me your LinkedIn next. And that was... SF Tech Week yeah, yeah, at yeah. many of the events. And what I loved about the LA Tech Week was it was a little broader than just yeah. tech. Yeah. You know, you ha- obviously have the entertainment industry right. here, but you have so much like sport and lifestyle and health. Yeah. Obviously, as an athlete, I was going to all the sports events. And, you know, people had passions beyond just pure tech and startups, and they were bringing those passions into the technology world. And so the people you meet here are so interesting and multifaceted and diverse, which I loved. So that was the first week I was here. And since then, you know, I think I've mentioned to you before, I love the willingness of Americans to make introductions. Mm. And I have deeply appreciated the many introductions people have made for me. And I've met many investors here. I've joined your club, which has been a great way to meet like other operators. We are LA Tech Experience Club. Yes. We met other operators, great founders, other investors, and, you know, I had a community here in beach volleyball and now I have this incredible community here in the tech scene as well. It sounds like for you, it's been relatively easy to immerse yourself in the culture. What are some of the steps you did when you were still in Australia to kind of plant the seeds? So when you got here, it was already vibrant and you knew where to go and who to meet with. Because when I've had the opportunity to interview people in the past, they've said it's really hard to figure out where the tech community is. Seems like because you had LA Tech Week, you kind of got fast-tracked because of that event. And maybe if you didn't have that event, it wouldn't have been so easy. What do you think? That's true. I didn't do a lot from Australia. And in some ways, I'm glad because once you are here and on the yeah. ground and you have made the commitment to be here, yeah, like I booked a one-way ticket. Yeah. People really respect that and they're much more willing to meet with you uh, and do that in person yeah. and you're going to build a much stronger relationship than taking a Zoom call from Australia. So I didn't actually do a ton from mm. Australia. What I did do 
was tell everyone I knew in Australia, I'm moving to the US. Right. Do you know anyone I should meet there? And so I got, you know, the first couple of weeks of calls and meetings set up in advance. I believe that was your LinkedIn post or someone's LinkedIn post that I got tagged in. And so it works. Social media works. (laughs) Yeah. LinkedIn has been amazing. And I've even used it to like find a place to stay. Wait, really? How? I posted on LinkedIn that I needed a place to stay. And no way. A bunch of people tagged other people. And someone was like, oh, I need a dog sitter for a couple of weeks. Get out. Someone else was like, oh, I've got a friend of a friend, you know, in this city. You can stay with them for a week probably. Wow. It's been incredible. Go LinkedIn. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, on wearelatech.com, I believe if you go to wearelatech.com slash calendar, we put together a calendar of all community builders uh, events. So these are not We Are LA Tech events. It's anybody doing anything in the LA Tech community. So you could easily add the calendar to your Google calendar. So just go there. Our UI isn't great. I'm calling myself out right now. But it's so helpful because with one click of that Google, you know, calendar on the plus sign, all of a sudden you have everything going on. So if there's not an LA Tech Week happening, which only happens once a year, at least you could have a calendar of what else is going on in the city really easy. If somebody were to land in LAX today for the tech community, where do you think they should go and check out first? As you say, LA is huge. And I didn't even know which area of the city was where the tech scene was happening. I'm really glad it's on the west side because I'm a beach girl. So Santa Monica, Venice, Culver, like those are the places you want to base yourself. And then one nice thing is people are pretty open about inviting you into their workspaces. It's true. Yeah. And like go and work in their offices for a day if they offer that. Like you're going to meet a bunch more people. Agree. Is there a certain strategy that you recommend to find the neighborhood that is best for you? Go live in it. Yeah. I really think people should like Airbnb all the different areas in LA to figure out which one they vibe with before they just choose one. So I had come out here five, six years in a row and spent six months of the year in Hermosa Beach and I never left the Hermosa Beach I mean, that sounds like everybody else in Hermosa too. It is a bubble. (laughs) Right? So this time I'm like, okay, you've got to leave the bubble and find the tech scene. Hermosa is pretty great. It's wonderful, but mostly if you're a beach volleyball player. Yeah. Uh, So I spent time in Santa Monica. I'm in Marina del Rey at the moment. I was in Venice a bunch. I've got some friends that are like more in like West Hollywood or like North of downtown. I don't even know all the city names. Uh, yeah, I'm bouncing around, staying in people's, you know, apartments, subletting, pet sitting, and trying a bunch of places every two weeks. I'm moving somewhere different. That's so cool. Since you're a master in beach volleyball, as a beach volleyball uh, novice, one thing I'm from LA, born and raised completely intimidated on how to figure out where I, as a newbie, can play beach volleyball. So for someone who sees beach volleyball and wants to get involved, what do we do? Mm, There are so many great coaches. I'll give a plug to my friend Mark Burek, who runs Better at Beach, which does a ton of beginner classes down in Hermosa Beach mostly. And they do a ton of camps and clinics if you want to get a little more intense as well. But they do all levels, including beginners. Uh, Did you say it's called Better Up Beach? Better at Beach. Oh, Better at Beach. And we'll include it in the show notes as well. Yeah, that's my Australian accent. (laughs) And yeah, if you walk down 
to the beach and you see a lesson in progress, literally go up to the coach and be, hey, I no, want to learn beach volleyball. No, I can't do that. I, I'm Why already not? freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> I would be it so is, scared. It is the friendliest sport in the world. And yeah. it's a sport where I have traveled the world. and You can legit go up to all these like, no, they all look like they know what they're doing. Go to the coach. And ask them, hey, I want to start learning. Do you coach beginners or do you yeah. know a coach that okay. does? Okay. That's it. Because it looks so fun. Yeah. Don't ask to join their game. Okay. If you don't know how to play. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. So if you land in LA and you want to experience beach volleyball, that's how to do it. Is there a particular activity other than beach volleyball, a hike or, or something that you've done, stand-up paddleboard, something that is a, a must-do in LA? Mm, I love roller coasters. I went to Six Flags on the weekend. Mm, how is that? Amazing. Uh, if you like adrenaline thrills, definitely recommend that. Paddleboarding's been really good. We went hiking last week. That was nice. But I am a little bit of a purist yeah. and feel like it's not real mountains out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I so get it. If you like a trail and the exercise of it and the sun, hiking's amazing. If you want to go and you know, Summit Everest or Kilimanjaro, like LA is not the place for yeah. that. And then I'm just a sports nut. Like I'm, I'm big into CrossFit. I found an amazing gym out here. I, you know, have been trying a bunch of sports in the past year since I retired from beach volleyball last year. So I'm keen to get into things like jujitsu and kite surfing and, you know, wake surfing and circus and a whole bunch of different activities. The thing I like most about LA is the diversity. A lot of people are not from here, but move here. And LA is extremely forward thinking in terms of diversity of race, diversity of gender, diversity of interests and passions and skill sets. It's very welcoming on that front. Like everyone can find their people here and find their home here. And that really stands out about LA. You know, like you, I've been yeah. to not as many countries as you, but like over 50 countries around the world. And I think LA is special for that. And is there a person or company you've come across lately who's really impressed you here in LA? I've met some amazing investors. I really love Jeff at Mantis VC. I really like Asya at Muse. I really like Shamin from BAM Ventures. And these are all, you know, people that have welcomed a brand new investor into the fold all the way from Australia. And they're also really leading investors, particularly on the consumer side, early stage investors. And I mean, I just love people that are as passionate about early stage founders as I am and uh, default to helpful um, as, their, as their mode of operating. And on the flip side, if we'd like to travel to Australia and get to know the tech community there what do we do how do we plug in who do we yes. talk to come americans always say oh, i want to go to australia but it's too far yeah which i don't think it's far it's 115 no, hours it's flight. fine it's fine just get on the plane remember that australia is the same size as the continental us so you are not going to see the country in two days like make sure you give yourself a few weeks at least and then a great way to get plugged in is to come to an event. So South by Southwest is coming to Sydney for the first time ever. I want to go so bad. <laughs> you should come. I'm speaking. Come down. <laughs> so cool. Um, another great event is Sunrise run by Blackbird Ventures. And that 
you know, prior to South by Southwest, it's probably the largest startup festival in the country. They also run one in New Zealand if people are keen to go there as well. And then uh, South Start is probably the third biggest startup festival. And then just get on the plane, come, and we'll give you that Aussie friendly welcome. We'll say good day. We'll introduce you to Vegemite. We'll take you down to the beach. We'll probably show you a kangaroo, maybe a crocodile. <laughs> we'll help you dodge all the deadly animals. <laughs> <laughs> but Australia is just this incredible country with some of the best beaches in the world, you know, amazing Aboriginal culture, the red centre of Australia. And then we have these cities like Melbourne and Sydney that are just so global and diverse and populated with people from around the world um, who have chosen to make Australia home. Is there a We Are LA Tech in Australia, like a, a hub that somebody could plug into? Because if one of the conferences aren't going on, how do we know where to go? And what area do we even go to? Yeah, I would say that Startmate is... Startmate a little similar to maybe on deck. Got it. Cool. So they're the leading accelerator in Australia, but they also run talent programs and events and have the largest startup community in the country. And so they, they're running things all the time, monthly meetups, join a program, get to know everyone. Just that is probably the quickest way to get plugged in. Thank you so much for hanging out with the We Are LA Tech podcast. To connect and collaborate with more amazing people in the Los Angeles tech community, remember to go to wearelatech.com slash community. That's wearelatech.com slash community. Say hello on social at We Are LA Tech on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you, talk to you all the things in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is Christy Jenkins. I'm a partner at Athletic Ventures and a former pro athlete myself. Athletic Ventures is a syndicate of 150 pro athletes investing in some of the best champion founders around the world. I'm an Australian, but I've just moved to Marina Del Rey and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.